Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This week's episode of MuggleCast is also brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast today for details. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. They'll be coming here. They'll be... Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because we have a new idea for a television network, this is MuggleCast episode 199 for May 26th, 2010. Welcome to MuggleCast, episode 199. We are one episode away from the gigantic 200. We're so close that poor Ben, he was confused this week. He came on thinking it was 200, but lo and behold, it's it's lonely old 199, Ben. I know, it nearly broke my heart when you broke the news to me, man. Well, next week, is that, or two weeks from now, is actually 200, so you could be here for that as well. But anyway, man, it's been how long now, Andrew? How many, How long have we been doing this? I don't know, man. Since the beginning, but we'll we'll actually. Um, That's usually where it starts, right? <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning. But we will. Very, um, it's a very good place to start, Ben. Related to that, today we're actually going to be talking a lot about MuggleCast's five-year history, and uh, we're going to be catching up on news as well. Getting to some emails. There's a lot of feedback, a lot of good feedback about last week's show. So we'll get into it. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Mike Attenbaum. Mike Katanabom, what's in the news this week? A little bit of uh, Wizarding World information. Uh, a huge high-res picture, and you know how much I love pictures, was released of uh, the hog's head in the hog's head. Whoa. And it moves. Yeah, Eric, did you actually see the hog's head? Did it actually move? Uh, I don't even know if I can release that kind of information. <laughs> to, no, to be perfectly honest, but I, I will say that if I did see it, I'm pretty sure it wasn't moving when uh-huh. I saw it. If well, I saw it. Considering it's called animatronic, I would assume that it moves at some point. It's interactive with people. Uh, and what was cool about it was they had those shrunken heads uh, from Prisoner of Azkaban kind of yeah, hanging out next to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Did, they, it, did they speak it, in Jamaican voices? It really, 
it really enhances the uh, persona of the Hogshead as being sort of a dodgy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, what else, Micah? Uh, Virgin Atlantic is getting in on the fun uh, with the theme park. Uh, they've branded an entire airplane with uh, the Wizarding World logo. I want to fly that when I go to when I go to Florida. Well, the whole thing behind this is that Virgin has some travel plane with Universal, and Micah, like, he's all excited about it, but Micah, it's it's just a little side of the plane. Like, they they should have covered the entire thing with Harry Potter. (laughs) It's just the left side, like, the back, and it says Harry Potter on it. (laughs) That'd be cool, though. Like, instead of sitting in, like, row nine, you'd be in, like, row nine and three quarters B. Yeah, they should have decked the whole plane out. And and like Ben was saying, they should have, the the stewardesses should have been, you know, in gowns. They they totally dropped the the ball here. Yeah. Is that next, though? I mean, could this be a sign of what's to come? A Harry we have Potter a Harry airline? Potter theme park. Why would there not be Harry Potter air travel and Harry Potter airline? So, like, the world slowly is going to evolve into one giant Harry Potter land. Right. It will truly be the wizarding world. It's coming, folks. You heard it here first. Yes. It's all a ploy to make money, right, Ben? That's life. <laughs> <laughs> Onward. Uh, but I guess the big theme park news was that today... Uh, Robbie Coltrane, Emma Watson, Matt Lewis, and the Phelps twins got a their own sneak peek of the park, and there's some photos up on MuggleNet.com, more photos, and uh, seems like they were having a pretty good time. They were pretty impressed by what they saw. Yeah, there's like this really goofy photo. We got a photo in the morning, right after their arrival, and they're all looking at each other, like the surprised look on their face. Like it's a funny photo, but. First of all, what's Robbie Coltrane? Why is he one of the first stars to go down there? He's never involved in Harry Potter anything. And then we get this picture this morning of Robbie Coltrane in the theme park. Somebody else must have been busy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like, Robbie, will you go to this? And he's like, or maybe he was in the area involved. That's Don't true. get me wrong, it's cool. But yeah, and then Emma's there. And um, I heard Universal called this morning. They said, Andrew, where, uh, where's Ben? He's not anywhere near the uh, southeastern area of the country, right? I was like, no, 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 no. He's uh, on the West Coast. Like, oh, good, because Emma Watts is coming in today. We don't need anyone chasing her down. Yeah, I'm kind of on one of those watch lists or something at this point, <laughs> I'm sure. If you try to go, to, go into the theme park, they're going to deny you, whether Emma's there or not. So, yeah, we got these pictures, and uh, Emma, Emma, there's this photo of Emma. It's actually really nice. She's looking in one of the windows, and she's, like, holding her hands to her mouth, and, like, she's, like, all in, she's in awe. It's really sweet. You know, it really speaks to the, the level of quality at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park. Absolutely. And there was a, there was a new, have you guys been seeing new, like, commercials on TV for this? Yeah. No. A little bit uh, altered, but same yeah. end scene. Same that end makes scene. Sense. And I guess Harry still, you know, says, come on. But they're actually flying through Hogsmeade now. And I, I think it's um, it's pretty close to what I think that the park will look like. All right. What else is going on, Micah? Uh, J.K. Rowling, according to the a poll that was conducted in the Telegraph, 11% of British parents want their children to grow up to be like author J.K. Rowling. Now, in the same poll, Aww. 20%... Of 6 to 16-year-olds believe their mother or father is the ultimate role model. And 15% chose Sir Richard Branson over J.K. Rowling. This was a U.K. poll, right? Because I don't think any American children would be like, Sir Richard Branson, I want to be like him. (laughs) Yes, it was in the Telegraph, so uh, I'm guessing that it was strictly U.K.-based. But uh, 
You know, Sir Richard Branson's a cool guy, man. He, I mean, he's uh, he's on the cusp of technology. He's going to send a plane up to the moon. I know. Yeah, but J.K. Rowling's a witch, okay? <laughs> <laughs> she can do wicked, crazy things. She put a spell on all of us, and here we are, 199 episodes later. Actually, that's kind of interesting, because that also shows that Joe's still really relevant. Yeah. Because... Many kid, you know, the books came out three years, or the flat last book came out three years ago now, and uh, children, it seems, are still reading Harry Potter. New kids, because I don't think Joe would want would be one of the first people that came to my mind if I was, you know, like a twelve year old. Well, it, it was the, the parents that chose J.K. Rowling, not the kids. Oh, well, then she should be like Oprah and have her own talk show because clearly she's still very relevant and influential. Jopra. Chopra. Chopra. Chopra and Joe should do a show together. Oh my god, that would just shake the world at its core. <laughs> Chopra's book club. Well, Oprah's starting a television network, so maybe Joe can get a show on there. The Chopra no, show. No, I think Joe should start her own network to rival Oprah. It'd be like the, it'd be like the world's biggest showdown. Two billionaire, powerful women <laughs> competing with content. I think we would go to Oprah. Oprah's been nicer to us than Joe. But what is what is she doing anyway? By the way, any updates? I mean, what are you talking about? Spy on J.K. Joe? Rowling. I mean, yeah. I haven't heard from her recently since the uh, her White House appearance. Well, she hasn't been on Twitter either, so we have no tweets to imitate. <laughs> Starting my own network, Jopra. <laughs> she hasn't been on her site in about two years. I know. This is my point. Why? Why are parents still talking about her? No offense. She's lost touch, guys. <laughs> Update your Twitter, please. All right. Is that it, Micah? That is it. Before we move on, we'd like to remind everyone that this week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Will Grayson, Will Grayson, the new book by John Green. He's the author of Paper Towns, and he's a great young adult author. So for a free audiobook of your choice, such as Will Grayson, Will Grayson, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. So uh, now we're going to, as we lead up to episode 200 here, we wanted to sort of have a, have a discussion about where the show has gone um, over the past five years. Um, it's pretty amazing that we've been doing this. It's almost five years now. Our fifth year, our fifth birthday will be this August, in the beginning of August. Um, and Eric sort of came up with the idea for this, and he wanted to treat it sort of like an interview. But I also think it would be a good as be good as a group conversation, you know. All right, sweet. Well, um, in celebration of our almost 200 episodes of MuggleCast, we decided to sit down with the show's creator and producer, Andrew Tiberius Sims. So the first question, all right, Andrew, we have heard in the past about how this podcast was formed. It was a discussion on the MuggleNet staff forums and then some rivalry and accusation with other Harry Potter sites. But what, if you could recount once more definitively, started the process of creating a Harry Potter podcast? How did you get involved in this crazy new idea it all just came out of my head one day i was meditating and it just popped uh, in my head oh yeah <laughs> 15 year old andrew was deep in meditation one day <laughs> no uh. what happened is on MuggleNet we had staff forums 
where the staff would convene to, to plan and organize things. And one day, one of the staff members, uh, one of the editorialists, Sarah, she made a uh, post in the forum saying, hey, I was watching TV and I saw a new segment on podcasting. And I think it would be really, it would be a really cool idea for Mugonet to have a Harry Potter podcast. And at that time, I had already been listening to a couple of podcasts because iTunes had just kicked off, you know, podcasting within within iTunes. So I immediately jumped on this. I was like, whoa, that'd be actually a pretty cool idea. And I'm, you know, I'm a pretty big nerd. So we started planning it within the staff forums and Ben jumped on board. And Eric, did you? No, 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 no. No, I, that was episode three. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. But were you into the idea when we first? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I didn't. I didn't know anything about podcasts. In fact, I looked at the the first two news posts of Mugglecast. I recall looking at them and I was like, "Podcast? What? I, what is that?" Um, I had no clue. Yeah, a couple people thought it, it wouldn't have been that great of an idea, um, but we proved them wrong. Yes, we could and, name and, them if we really wanted. But... <laughs> no, that's all right. We, we have their posts on the staff there. forum still, where they said this won't work. <laughs> um, so, did you ever did a follow up question? Follow-up question. Did you ever thank uh, this Sarah girl, um, maybe, like, by having her on the show or anything? You know what? We offered to have her on the show, but I think she said she preferred to stay... She's not one to, like, go talk. Yeah. Like, I don't. I guess she was shy or something. Yeah, but I think we did offer. Well, that's yeah. cool. A modest person. A modest person, Didn't want to yeah. take credit for all her success. Yeah, she's she's the reason we're... Well, um... Okay, so what other... Well, she is the reason we are here today. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, absolutely. So, uh... Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Um, so you mentioned that you listen to other podcasts, Andrew. What what other podcasts do you remember listening to back then? And, uh, you know, what would you say any of them influenced the style of MuggleCast? <laughs> well, Ben's going to rip into me, but one of, the first, one of the first podcasts I listened to was Twit, This Week in Tech, with Leo Laporte. And Ben used to listen to it, too. Another podcast was the Don and Drew Show, and both of those podcasts are still around today, um, and two really good podcasts. And I would say I was influenced by them. So sure. have they changed their style in the past five years? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, podcasts grow and change. I mean, and they, do, they do less chapter by chapter than they used to. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't, I don't think we ever, like, took any segment ideas. I, I think most podcasts that you see will talk about news. Um, about any sort of genre, any genre specific po- How about, podcast. Uh, talk about news. Nobody likes onions. That was a kind of a rivalry for a while, wasn't it? They liked picking yeah. on us. Yeah, I don't. Th- I didn't start personally. I didn't start listening to that like when we started Mugglecast. But yeah, I had heard of it. I think the first way I uh, first time I heard of it was when somebody told us that they were making fun of us on the show. So yeah, I listened. You were like, I was like, oh, they're making fun of us, but. I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good exposure for us regardless. I mean, I'm sure they had a pretty big audience. They probably still do. And they were uh, – we met them in uh, California, I think. Yeah, right? it, was, it was awkward. It was awkward for me. Because we were, like, picking up the award, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when did you – now, going off that, what, what point did you become aware that MuggleCast was gaining in popularity? I think it was hard. We had some number – tracking you know put download tracking things but i don't think we ever really knew how popular it was until that first live podcast when uh it was us and leaky and we did the leaky mug in new york city after the goblet of fire premiere and that was real a real surprise to us because we didn't think that many people would actually show up for a harry potter podcast i mean we knew the premieres get big crowds but we didn't think one of our shows would get a big crowd um and then just meeting the meeting the fans afterward 
afterwards after the live show. Well, how did that how did that live podcast start? Like, because it was in Barnes and Noble in Union Square. How who contacted Barnes? Did you guys contact them? Did they contact you? No. All credit goes to Melissa and Ellie. <laughs> okay, next question. Well, it's it, <laughs> it started with the original plan was to just do it in a Starbucks. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. And oh wow. And we were just like, we'll just have a little show in a Starbucks. And then as we had people starting to RSVP, it started, you know, we saw, you know, 50 people were planning on coming. We we're like, oh, okay, we can't do this in a Starbucks, obviously. So then we moved to one Barnes & Noble. Uh, then the RSVPs kept growing. So we moved to another Barnes & Noble, and that was the big one in Union, Union Square. So, um, yeah. Oh, I remember that. I remember it was another Barnes & Noble at first. Yeah, yeah. But even before that, we were planning on doing it at a Starbucks. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I would love to revisit that time and think, like, you know, be at a time where we didn't know that uh, a live podcast would uh, incur- bring out a big audience. And just, just so the fans listening know, um, that video from that, that show is is still on the site um, and is, is available in two MOV uh, movies and you can see there just the fan base like that you know or at least you know the people who showed up really did want to listen and they were very they were a very good audience yeah um so what makes what what makes mugglecast so special you guys what what other podcasts have that that you know no i think i think what makes well first of all it's all thanks to the harry potter community that mugglecast has been uh successful uh, you can't just start a podcast anywhere online and expect to have some sort of, uh, you know, a, a bigger supportive audience. Something like Harry Potter, you know, comes with a very supportive, um, open, excitable audience. Uh, so, you know, MuggleCast's popularity was thanks to MuggleNet and it was thanks to the Harry Potter fans. We know what Harry Potter fans are like. They they celebrate book releases, movie releases. Big news, you know, it, having a podcast was just a natural fit. Yeah. So now, by the now, there's it's one thing to to have a, a you know a Harry Potter built in you know supportive fan community, but by the end of 2005, that's our first year. You have stated on the podcast that there were over 50,000 unique subscriptions to MuggleCast on iTunes. Um, do you have any comments on that? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just awesome. I yeah. mean that's that's all you can really say about it, and so appreciative of the audience and the support that we've had over the years. What what I've always yeah, thought was cool was that you know when all these people email in and they're from all these different places across the world, just the fact that they're listening to what yeah. we have to say, and they could be in Rome or Tokyo or South Africa or you know anywhere. Obviously here in the United States and the UK too, but you know it's it's just kind of amazing that that it's that far reaching. And didn't Andrew, you also say that uh, episode was it one hundred or one hundred and one had over a hundred thousand unique listeners? Yeah, yeah. That that episode unreal. has over a hundred thousand. And when you think about it, we all read that book in London, and we as soon as we all were finished, we all gathered around the laptop and we just hit record and we spoke for an hour, and we streamed it live on UStream, and it was amazing because it was so. Uh, it, w- it was right after we finished reading, and at that time, other people across the world were finishing reading the book too. Yeah, I mean, I think Muggle MuggleNet had about probably three hundred, four hundred thousand unique people that the day after. So you know, that's a good fourth of the people had visited wanted to hear what other people thought. So of course, a podcast was the most perfect venue to hear other people's thoughts about the final book. 
And so now you've been trying to keep up with technology, you know, this whole time. You've you've grown so much, you know, in that in that respect. And obviously, this whole live podcast thing, which that was done from your computer in the hotel room, you know, on UStream. How is how has technology changed to to allow for? I mean, I guess podcasting in general has grown, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've always basically used the same stuff. I mean, you guys are still using the same headsets. I'm still using the same audio editor. But, you know, to do this, like the live shows that we do now over Ustream, that now I have a mixer for that and use two computers to do it to, to make it sound as good as possible and also do video now. Video we started just about a year ago. Wow. Now, um, how old were you when you first started MuggleCast? How old were we, Ben? 15? 15, wow. When you're 15, start a podcast, you're going to believe it. Can, can you believe that? Yeah, I know. It, I, I don't know where my life's gone. Really? I think I, no. In all seriousness, I think it's really interesting how we've really grown up with the show. Like, what I honestly think is most amazing is that I started the show in New Jersey. Ben started the show in Kansas, and now we're both living in LA. Five years later, yeah. And you know, we're sitting here recording together. And he, it's, like, yeah. you know, it's just amazing to think back to then and then think of now how how that ended up being. Yeah. We've been. I guess it's just kind of like one of those things where, you know, when we were when we were fifteen, you know, we're just working on a Harry Potter website just for the love of Harry Potter, and we just wanted a creative outlet to be able to to be able to express ourselves. We had no idea what it was going to lead to. You know, it wasn't like we sat down one day and we're like, oh, we want to get fifty thousand subscribers. Yeah, and yeah. All of that. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. And I think all of us were kind of taken aback by it at first that, you know, that people actually valued the opinions of some kids, you know, rambling about, yeah. you know, Horcruxes. And, and you were like. kids. Yeah, that's that's the most rewarding thing is just that knowing that really people really care to hear your opinion. So, I mean, that's what's still motivating, I think, to all of us. You know, when we re- hit record, we know that people are going to be listening to this and, and looking forward to it and, and hopefully getting something out of it, whether it's entertainment or information. And that's why we always include chicken soup, because it's always nice to read those types of emails to see how people are actually affected by the show. How did your family react towards MuggleNet and MuggleCast? <laughs> no, no, this is, this is an honest question, because everybody's got this story. You know, especially if you work on MuggleNet, you have this story. Actually, you know what my dad said to me? I, I, I may have told this to you, Ben. Because he had known I had been listening to Twit, Leo's podcast. And he said, what do you think you're going to be? The next Leo Laporte? And I was like, no. But we're just going to do it for fun, you know. But it did surprise him. And my mom and sister came to that first uh, uh, live podcast we did in New York City. And they were blown away by it. And I, you know, and I was too. It was just amazing to see, you know, people were, came out to see us talk about Harry Potter. Yeah. My family thought I was a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record. Really? They, they kicked him out of the house. And the jury's still out on that one. No one's quite <laughs> sure whether I am or not. Yeah, same. Um, so what about, what about high school? Because you still had two years of school to complete. So obviously by the time you left high school, MuggleCast was huge. So... Did your peers ever like find out what you were doing? Would they come up to you in the halls wanting to discuss each week's show? Or was there a basic understanding that they had to send in a muggle mail or a listener rebuttal or a voicemail if they wanted your opinion? Well, yeah, that's the only way they could really reach Andrew because it was kind of like <laughs> in, in high school, I know he kind of reached this point where it was like muggle cast or friend. <laughs> and he chose more, I guess, what he called the more rewarding. Andrew, do you, do you really right. think? I mean, is that. No. No? Um. 
nobody knew about MuggleCast, and I did not want to tell anyone. And I, somebody outed me one day. It was actually my TV tech teacher. I came in one morning, and he had the word MuggleCast written on the whiteboard. I, my heart, like, I was so, it, it, it was like somebody outed me. And I was so I actually felt like so like oh my god, right. and but he was just he, and then just he, trying to be supportive. He was right? like, yeah, yeah. And what had happened was my dad emailed him and was like, hey, check out this podcast Andrew does. And so, and then he was like, let's talk later. <laughs> <laughs> my TV oh tech teacher, my. not my dad. But yeah, I didn't. And and people made fun of me in high school for it. I'll but we've that. seen the videos. Like you did your morning news and stuff. Like. Oh, yeah. Well, eventually, listen, when you tell somebody in high school, you know, there's a lot of peer pressure in high school. And when you tell someone, I sit in my bedroom and I do a Harry Potter podcast, what, what, is, what does that translate to? Loser! But then when you tell them, you know, hey, a lot of people are listening to it. I get to do this really cool stuff thanks to it. I've, you know, made all these great friends thanks to it. Then it becomes, oh, you know, that's really cool. That's, you know, you're not just sitting in your parents' yeah. basement. So the lesson is to follow your heart, folks. Exactly, and don't care what anybody thinks. Well, well you have, you have. I mean, you've got you've got souvenirs to prove it, and and stamps on your passport. I mean, you've gone many places as a result of this podcast. So, I mean, you said it yourself. You you know, grew up in New Jersey. Now you're in L.A. You know, where else have you gone for? this MuggleCast stuff. We've been to Las Vegas, we've been to London, we've been to New York, and we did that summer tour in 2007. Wow. Cool. So, uh, the next uh, few questions, and we are almost done with this interview. Um, thank you so much for your time here. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the first hundred episodes of MuggleCast, we were talking about this a few minutes ago, they took place prior to the release of the seventh and final Harry Potter book. The next hundred episodes took place after... So how would you say the show and we're you know we're at basically episode 200 is next next episode. So how would you say the show has changed and or stayed the same over this 200 episode span of time? The show's always been a lot of fun. It's been all you know us four have been on since basically the beginning. Um and I other than that, I mean other than production if you you know what we get a lot of emails from people saying Hey, I you know I I've been listening for a few months and I decided to listen to episode one and wow you guys have changed a lot and you know that's true because like if you listen to the first episode like you hear me and I've mocked myself for it before you hear me just being like hey guys welcome to MuggleCast episode two I mean this is Andrew Sims here and you know we all we all develop personalities and that was one of the challenges when we started the show we didn't really know who we were speaking to so we were sort of more uptight. But now that we know our audience very well, it's very easy to speak, um, you know, to not put up any, uh, bar- you know, any barriers just to... To really uh, communicate openly with, you know, the people we want to communicate with. Yeah, yeah. And we know how, wh- how to be entertaining, you know, how to entertain the audience because we know what they like, what they don't like. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew, has your voice changed at all since <laughs> the first episode? Yeah, I'm sure it cracked a couple notches. Yours has always been the same, though, I think. Oh, I, I think I Ben's has probably yeah. stayed. Uh, Ben's uh, and Micah's audible. It's, it's the audible chocolate. The, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We should start our own show, Ben. Me and Micah. The two deep be... voices. Yeah. My my bass would break. People's earbuds would would the crack. roofer would just yeah be, be always going. Um, so <laughs> speaking of keeping it fun, there are various segments on the show that have come and gone throughout the years. Some of them are Spy on Sparts, Andrew's Listener Challenge, Top Ten, Give Me a Butterbeer, What's Bugging Micah, 
Fireside Chats, Crackpot Theory, Make the Connection, Make the Music Connection, Jamie's British Joke of the Day, The Dueling Club, and The Dueling Club version 2.0. Do you have a favorite? Oh, jeez, Eric. Man, you're putting me on the spot. I think Make the Music Connection's always been my favorite, because it, it keeps the show really current, and it's fun. Micah, what's your favorite segment that we've done? Because I just listed, like, as many as I could possibly think of. You know, I... Going old school, I really like Give Me a Butterbeer because I thought Ben did a really great job with those segments. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But after, well, I, I won't say anything, but let's let, let's just say that the Dueling Club may have become one of my favorite segments yeah. <laughs> as we move to episode 200. But yeah. that'll be made more clear on episode 200. I think I think I liked when we when we changed from the Dueling Club to the Dueling Club version 2.0 because I guess before we would as a group decide on who we were going to face off against each other the following week and it was kind of in the Google Doc and all that stuff. Then version 2.0, it was more like two of the hosts would would have to come up with something on the spot and you didn't know what the other person was going to use, so you had to argue characters and it was it was a character discussion. It was like a mini character discussion because you were facing them off against each other. And that, I, I think there was always something really cool about that. And, of course, Jamie's British Joke of the Day um, and the original Make the Connection are my favorites. That's right. That was another Jamie segment, you too. But, you put a lot of hard work into those butterbeers. Yes. Yes, Ben definitely did. And I was listening. I've been listening to a lot of Ben's old top tens, and they're actually really involved. And, he, you know, he right. spent a lot of time doing them, and I, that was really cool. I think that's what I think that's what has made the show um, so fun is because we've had all these different segments. So you know, there's always something new to look forward to with the different segments. We're always mixing it up using different ones. Yeah. Ben, what was your favorite segment on the show, or has been? I mean, I've always liked Mike's news. <laughs> As a segment, I like I like how that came full circle right there. I mean, it was the thing. The, the, I mean, things kind of changed when he left the news center in New York. Um, Where'd he go? Well, I, I don't know, but he stopped. He stopped talking about the news center, so oh. I just assumed that he left. <laughs> That's all for our from our news center in New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the opening of the show is always always a good time. Uh, oh, Ben. I mean, I I never I was always kind of put off by Jamie's British joke because like <laughs> they never were really that funny. But and I'm we're glad British. he's not. Yeah, I, I'm glad he's not here to to defend himself because <laughs> I mean, Ben, 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 come on, Ben, out. Jeez, Ben. <laughs> There's Jamie for you. Um, he may- Yeah, I mean, I like I like the Muggle Mail. I like the. You like all the the rooted segments, segments yeah, we I always mean, do. I mean, chapter by chapter, when it first came out, needed, <laughs> needed a little bit of work, but I think I think it's evolved into oh, into something quite nice. It has. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, what I wanted to ask you guys is, uh, who's your favorite host? Who's your favorite? Uh, that's that's the one host, question Andrew. for the record. I did not put into this this Go- this Google Doc of, of Andrew Sims interview. <laughs> I really, I don't, I don't have a favorite host. It's no. not. Um, it, I, it really is a collective effort. It's the chemistry between hosts that make it, you know, really click. What happened to Laura Thompson? <laughs> Laura Thompson gets her own question. Actually, there's a there's. There's a question specifically about that, and I'm going to ask that right now. So, Go ahead. Um, MuggleCast only really has one girl host, yet the majority yeah. of its listeners appear to be female. So what's it like hosting a literary discussion with other males when the responding audience is a bunch, literally a, a huge bunch of well-read females? And are you at all intimidated? I think it's about 75% female. And absolutely intimidated, no. 
Only only seventy five. Bring them on. Yeah, according yeah. to our demographic <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely no I'm definitely not intimidated. I, <laughs> I I embrace our female audience. Yeah, and that's what makes it fun. And listen, yeah, uh, we are very. Gosh, how to put it? Um, spontaneous, goofy on the show. It wouldn't appeal to a, a, a majority male audience. And I, I love our male audience too. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. We've met so many amazing people through the show. You know, whether it's just meeting each other, the hosts, or meeting members of the audience, um, it's been something really special. Yeah. And it makes you. And you know, I've, I have Harry Potter to think for, for everything. Everything. Okay, second to last question. Where do you see the Harry Potter fandom going in the future? Down, down. down, down, down. <laughs> no, everybody, you know, everybody asks this question, like, where's the Harry Potter going to be after the movies come out? And honestly, who knows? Especially after the movies come out. Everybody was wondering what would happen after the books came out. And I'd say it's still pretty good now. episodes. Granted, after the movies come out, there won't be much more to look forward to, but there's still... You know, a great group of friends that everyone has made. Everyone's got their group of friends within Harry Potter. And, you know, we'll always have those lifelong friendships, even if they're not based around Harry Potter no no longer. Yeah. All right. And that concludes our interview with Andrew Tiberius slash James Sims. Ah, great job. You know, it took up a lot of my schedule, but... And you know, it was certainly a nice ego booster. No, but. honestly, I think it's I think it's I think that's very important that we did that because it's two hundred episodes and you've edited like nearly every episode except for like Andrew, the fans are dying to know what sh- what kind of shoes do you wear? <laughs> <laughs> uh no, but yeah, that was that was yeah, fun, cool. Eric. So now let's move on to Muggle Mail this week. Um I'll take the first one. Eric put this in, I think. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I'm happy to grant this kind of request. Hello, Andrew. My name is Gigi T. My friend named Gabrielle is celebrating her birthday today, May 11th. As she is a huge Muggle Cast fan, I was wondering if it was all possible to wish her a happy birthday on the show. I'm sure she would love it and it would be a nice surprise. She's turning 12 years old, and though she, she's not the oldest Potter fan, she is certainly one of the biggest. Thank you so much for your time. Happy birthday, Gabrielle! Happy, happy birthday. Ben, can you read the next email from Michaela? Michaela, 14, from Long Island, New York. Micah, she's up in the hood, though. <laughs> she says, hi, everyone. When you were talking about Lupin taking the Wolfsbane, I think that's the name, potion, I think you made a mistake. When J.K. Rowling said that they had to take it the week before the full moon, I think she meant the week leading up to it. As in, you start taking it seven days before the full moon. <coughs> oh. Oh my that's, that's gosh! That's written in and the uh, in the Muggle Mail sneeze here. And end and <laughs> and end on the day of the full moon. Also, I think when Snape finds Harry watching his worst memory in Order of the Phoenix, might be the angriest we see him. He refused to give him occlumency lessons, thus disobeying Dumbledore, which you just do not do. Love the show and keep up the great podcasting, Michaela. Michael, we got a lot of emails about this, didn't we? We got many emails about this. Uh, probably close to 100 or more. <laughs> but uh, Was this basically what most of them were saying? Yes. yes. So that kind of makes a little bit more sense than... Yeah, but she should have done a better job explaining yeah. it. But maybe at least, yeah, still... uh, I don't know, I don't understand. Everyone else seemed to understand it. So You know, you guys were analyzing it so much, I knew. I, I just sat there saying, I think these guys must be. Anyway, uh, next email comes from Sarah, 15 of New York. and She says, Hi guys, I love the show. And listening to how you described Sirius last week made me wonder 
Where do they keep the less dangerous prisoners? J.K. Rowling writes a lot about how decrepit Sirius is and how evil the Dementors are, but shouldn't there be some guidelines about how prisoners are treated, especially ones that have simply robbed a store or something? Do they go to Azkaban as well, or smaller prisons? Do they even go to prison at all? Just wondered what you guys thought. I feel like Az- Azkaban is the um, Alcatraz, like the the maximum security prison. Yeah. W- where they keep like the most dangerous offenders because you know dementors are very dra- draining on any anyone they come in contact with so it wouldn't be wise for every single prison to have those to have them there so i'm sure if you just you know rob a bank or you know steal someone's bike or something that you wouldn't have to go to Azkaban because that would be a bit extreme well see that's interesting because in 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 chamber of secrets they took Hagrid to Azkaban just for being a suspect you know, I mean, it was a pretty gruesome thing, you know, a bunch of petrifications of students, but at the same time, they had no proof, and, and you know, Hagrid went straight off to Azkaban. It's not like... Well, maybe because Hagrid's such a big guy that they didn't think he could detain him. <laughs> Possibly. Him elsewhere. I, I just feel like It was Azkaban. also tied to a, a previous crime. Yes. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I just yeah. feel like they're they're really... There's only one school for the entire region. I can't see why there would be more than one prison. Yeah, I don't and know. I mean, Dementors I, I kinda... think there, maybe there's some cells in the Ministry of Magic where they just throw some people well, occasionally when they have little misdemeanors. It just seems like everyone we've known, and, they, and they've all been Death Eaters, so it's a very good question. Because, you know, they go to Azkaban, but they're they're Death Eaters, aren't they? But, I mean, Dementors only make you sad. You know, they kind of make you... They In fact, Dementors are kind of a good thing to have at a prison because you lose track of time. And isn't that what serving a sentence is all about, how long it is? So... Yeah, but there there has to be some smaller prison, though. I mean, guys like Mundungus Fletcher, I'm sure they end up in jail at some point in their life. Next email's from another Sarah. This one's from Mississippi. Subject is Time Turners. Sarah says, in episode 198, y'all were talking about the fact that Harry and Hermione end up in the entrance hall rather than staying in the hospital wing, as happens in the movie. Uh, I wondered about the same thing recently as I've been listening to the Jim Dale audio versions lately. I think that the time turner not only reverses time, but actually places you at or near where you were at the time you chose. Uh, example, three turns or three hours before the hospital wing, the trio was in the entrance hall. JKR describes all the flashes of color that Harry sees as he's traveling rather than saying that he sees people coming and going around him. So if you were to remain stationary while moving through time, you could end up landing on someone else who may have been at that spot in the past, whereas if you return to a spot at or near where you were in the past, you're less likely to displace someone else. Just my take on a very deep and confusing subject. What do you guys think about that? I'm still not totally convinced. I, I I just think that... I I think Joe just did it for timing, just to keep things moving quicker. That's, that's the only thing I can think. I think she just took a little, you know. It makes sense though. I, I mean, if you look at the two different um, sides of it, like doing it in the book makes sense this way. Doing it in the movie, kind of makes sense the way that they did it. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. It works for the medium that it's that it's presented in. I I just think, in a way. Time, you know, transporting yourself to a place near where you were helps if somebody spots you, and that way you're not too far away from where you just were, in a way. But at the same time, I feel like you run exactly the same risk as landing on top of somebody as you would if you stayed still. Just because you don't know where, unless it's a, a con- you know, a place where no one else is going, like if you appeared in the Chamber of Secrets, you know, every time you went back in time, there's just no way to tell. I mean, if it's a public area, you run the same risk of 
running over somebody, I think. I think it's risky either way. Just as risky. I don't know. I, I think Sarah brings up a good point, but I'm, I, I still liked it how they did it in the movie. Next email comes from Meg23 of Atlanta. Hey guys, just a comment in response to your discussion of Lupin and the Wolfsbane Potion in Chapter by Chapter. You guys were wondering why he would have needed to take the Wolfsbane Potion on the Night of the Full Moon when he had indicated earlier in the story that he had to take it in, quote, the week preceding the Full Moon. I think this is just a semantics issue. I think what Lupin's statement means is that he needs to take the potion every day for a week prior to and including the day of the Full Moon. This would mean he needed to take it on the night of the encounter at the Shrieking Shack. As to why he wouldn't have just gulped it down before running off the shack, I don't know. Maybe he just forgot it in his haste to get there. Love the podcast I listened to in the car to make the time in Atlanta traffic pass by. Blah, blah, blah. I just found out I'm... I just found out I'm getting to go to the Wizarding World in August. I'm super excited. Can't wait to hear your reports from the grand opening. So this is a, a, a bit of a different take. Andrew, on are that. any of us going to be at the grand opening of the park? I am. Cool. Not to brag. No, that's cool. <laughs> when is I, that? See, Ben, here's my invite right up here. I haven't showed it to you yet. When is that? Uh, June 18th. Yeah, I'm going to be hanging out with Emma. What can I say? Is she going to be there? I don't know. I'm going to put the moves on her, and she won't run away like she did for you. Oh, right, Andrew. <laughs> Asia18 from Birmingham, United Kingdom, writes, Hi, guys. On the subject of Remus and Sirius deciding not to kill Pettigrew, I believe that perhaps JKR is making a point here when she wants to emphasize the morality of the story, if you can call it that. Besides, as we have seen throughout the books, Voldemort and, the, and his Death Eaters have been quick to wipe out their wands and Avada Kedavra, anyone who threatens their evil plans or whatever. However, Joe wanted to show the good guys, being Remus and Sirius here, as being, you know, good. Correct me if I am wrong, but members of the Order or their allies have not killed unless necessary or being under attack. So maybe J.K. Rowling did not have Pettigrew killed only so that Harry could benefit from this in the later books, but also to have that fairy tale moral kind of ending where the hero lets the villain live. I know that while reading this one, might be screaming, I know I was at least freaking kill him now, but Joe wants to appeal to the reader's better nature. Regards, Asia. Love your name, by the way. I do understand Asia brings up a good point here. It, it sort of teaches the readers a lesson, you know, you can give people a second chance. You don't have to kill. So there's sort of a nice little lesson there. It's like when Jesus was on the cross and he said, uh, forgive them for they know not what they do in response to, you know, the people who were crucifying him. Oh, so yeah. it's the same thing as it's like, you know, we should forgive even our deepest enemies, no matter what they do, because we need to all be compassionate and understand the uh, predicament that we're all kind of stuck in. I guess my point was on episode 198 or 197 was that, you know, it should have been assumed that Pettigrew would have absolutely tried to escape. Yeah. And, of course, he did, and it was quite successful. Well, as so. we said, he could have at least put the same protection they put on Snape, on, on Pettigrew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. Use some brains, or folks. Or send for Dumbledore. Yeah. And finally, today we have some tweets about uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, C. Bolter writes, Since the Dementors are loyal to Voldemort, if they thought Sirius was a Death Eater, why would they try so hard to catch him? Eric Skoll, do you have the answer Ooh, to this? Um... 
since the Dementors are loyal to Voldemort if they thought Sirius was a Death Eater. At this point, the Dementors were not under Voldemort's control. And, I, you know, I use that term loosely where the Dementors can be under anybody's control. Voldemort promised them a whole host of souls to eat. And that was why they ended up leaving the ministry. I, I just, I think at the point where the, the Dementors are, you know, where Sirius Black escaped, uh, they, you know, the Dementors were very much unawakened in that sense, where they weren't, um, though maybe the Dementors, did I, did I get this wrong? Were the Dementors on Voldemort's side the first time? Did they abandon the ministry in the past? Yeah, they were. Okay. Um, I just get the feeling that at this point it wasn't on their minds. Ayla Bessemer had this to say about Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban is a fantastic book because it is the first time we really get a glimpse into Harry's father's time at Hogwarts. That's so true. And Need writes, funniest scene from the book, the part where Snape tries to read the map and it throws insults at him. Hilarious! That was also a great part of the movie. Um, Big Huge Giant writes, From a cinematic point of view, the Prisoner of Azkaban movie was a huge improvement. It was also less faithful to the book. I wish the podcast was around when when the movie came out, because we would have had so many discussions about how the themes changed. I mean, Alfonso introduced a huge switch. Yeah. Actually, um, I know we'll have more on this subject next week. Uh, Yeah, Ah. we will. There's... uh Whomever we may be speaking to next week, uh, their favorite movie was, in fact, Prisoner of Azkaban. Megan0135 writes, This is actually when I started to love Snape. You sort of get a glimpse into his life before he graduated Hogwarts. Love Snape. Ugh. I think I think the work done in Prisoner of Azkaban by Joe really helps this scene, uh, this scene in uh, Order of the Phoenix. Um you know, which we'll be reading eventually on chapter by chapter, where we learn about that in the past. You know, all this stuff about James, and, you know, we're, we're so warmed to the idea of James as a kid at Hogwarts with the Marauders that the scene in, in Order of the Phoenix, when they're all bullies, is is really upsetting. And, and you know, it, it unnerves the readers as it unnerves Harry. So I think that that's, you know, partially, you know, in sync with, with book three, you know, that, that scene in book five. Yeah. And the last tweet comes from Luisa Luca. The Marauders were really what got me addicted to Harry Potter. Eliminating them was the worst decisions the movie's ever made. Whoa. All right. Well, that about does it for this week's episode. We want to let you know, of course, uh, our 200th episode is obviously our next show. It will be released on June 7th or 8th or maybe 9th. It'll be around there. Uh, last week, Mike and Eric recorded a special interview that will be revealed on that show. Um, it was a great interview. We were so happy to get this person for episode 200 because they are very involved with the uh, Harry Potter franchise. So uh, you will definitely enjoy the interview. We also want to remind everybody this week that we're going to be at Infinitus 2010. It's going to be in Orlando from July 15th to the 18th at the Universal Resort. I'm looking at their site now. They have a little countdown. 55 days till Infinitus, everybody. So visit infinitus2010.org for information about the conference. And if you do register, we can't wait to see you there. And don't forget to put MuggleNet or MuggleCast in the referral box so, you know, they they know how many people we're sending. Yeah. They know who. Ben, do you have any questions about the con? Uh, the con? Who's getting con? <laughs> Uh, like about us doing a podcast or oh well are, we are doing a podcast right yes we are doing a podcast at Infinitus 2010 
Don't forget to visit MuggleCast.com for all the information about the show. You can subscribe to us, rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter. You can fan us on Facebook. And, of course, don't forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley. And you can get all the information you need about the show right there on MuggleCast.com, including transcripts. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time for episode 200. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.